0: all right so we've only got this week and then two more weeks and then we're done with Isaiah it's kind of crazy how fast that's flown by but um so I wanted to uh go through just kind of a rundown of where we've been where we're going kind of thing um let's see if I can get this full screen all right, does that come up with a bifid structure on your guys' screen or no? Yeah, yes. okay. Sometimes when I go to full screen, it just goes weird. Anyway, um, so throughout Isaiah's seven-part structure, we've went through <laughs> pretty much the whole gamut here and we're on disloyalty versus loyalty. And so um, this is in contrast to the rebellion and compliance um, that we had kind of towards the beginning. Uh, But this disloyalty-loyalty is split into two different parts, uh, where last week we talked about the disloyalty of trusting in the arm of flesh, trusting in Egypt and um, foreign nations for divine protection. And then this week, we are going to be talking about the covenant with life. So um, in this disloyalty-loyalty category here, Avraham talks about uh, a lot where uh, it's either a covenant with life or a covenant with death. And it kind of harkens back to like Lehi's dream. Are you gonna continue on the path towards the tree of life, or are you gonna fall away and uh, go to the great and spacious building? And so um, loyalty is all about tests, Um, uh, tests to to prove if we're going to be loyal in all circumstances. You know, like we we studied with the Abraham book, um, uh, looking at his life and his tests, um, and how he proved loyal in, in all circumstances. So um, uh, with that, we, we come to, uh, <clears throat> come to. I don't even know why I said that, but <laughs> uh, what I've just been talking about, this covenant with death and a covenant with life. And um, what I was not expecting was to find so much Sabbath day talk and so much Davidic covenant talk here within chapters 55 through 59. I found that very interesting. Um, and, and it wasn't until today that it was like finally starting to click to me like, Oh, these are in direct opposition. Um, you can either trust in Egypt and other nations for protection, or you can keep the Sabbath day holy for protection. Um, and, uh, you can either not seek God's counsel or you can participate in Davidic covenants. Um, uh, I found those very interesting, uh, studying those out today and uh, looking uh, back and forth uh, between covenant of death with covenant of life. So real quick, I wanted to um, go to the examples of Mount Gerizim versus Mount Ebal in Israelite history. But before doing so, just kind of why I'm going there, Isaiah is going to talk a lot about Sabbath day and how it keeps us safe in the latter days. Um, And a lot of that stems from the blessings and cursings nature of uh, laws or uh, covenants, ordinances. So here we have um, uh, a picture of Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. But this is looking as if we are in the west, looking towards the east, toward or uh, just opposite. Sorry, we are in the east, looking towards the west, looking towards the Mediterranean Sea um, through that that valley of Shechem there. So um, Mount Ebal is on the north, and Mount Gerizim is on the south. South is always covenant symbolism. North is always kind of uh, lost wilderness. Um, wanderings motif there and so when the israelites led by moses out of egypt uh they're going through their wanderings in in uh the the wilderness for 40 years and everything um the unfortunate incident where where moses uh loses his opportunity to come into the the promised land there um, but he receives this revelation that the Israelites are to go up on these mountains and um, uh, do a live uh, presentation of the blessings and cursings of the covenant uh, so that they really get it. It's, it's kind of like a, uh, a temple motif. Uh, to, to act out the ordinance uh, not just say it or or repeat it but to actually go and be participants in it and act it out up on mountaintops so uh, it's actually joshua that's able to uh, go and and do this with them moses is is not allowed to do that but um moses is the one that receives the the revelation there in deuteronomy 27 so um yeah, let's, let's go to Deuteronomy 27 really quick. Let me pop that up on the screen. All right, so uh, like I said, Moses received this uh, and Moses charged the people the same day saying, these tribes shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people. When ye are come over Jordan, Uh, it's going to be the tribes of Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse. And that's going to be the tribes of Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall do the speaking, uh, since they are the the priestly line uh, that's uh, going to be officiating. Uh, The Levites shall speak and say unto all the men, Israel with a loud voice. Cursed be the man that doeth this, and cursed be he that doeth this, etc. And so um, they, they go through this whole process of from Mount Gerizim, they're shouting the blessings of the covenant. And from Mount Ebal, they're shouting the cursings of the covenant. And this way, it's, it's getting put into their minds and rehearsed uh, quite vividly what the terms of the covenant are. If you are righteous, you will receive these great things coming from Mount Gerizim. It's a fruitful mountain, uh, lush vegetation, etc., versus Ebal that's just desolate and barren and nothing good can come from it kind of thing. You receive the curses of the, the covenant if you are disobedient. So through that, um, the Israelites learned very um, strictly and uh, uh, profoundly that everything that they received from Mount Sinai through Moses um had some some strict blessings and cursings right and one of those is the sabbath day and so that's what isaiah is pulling forward um, from all of israelite history he's going to be uh, relying upon all of that imagery as he's presenting some of the stuff in these chapters this week um so hopefully that's not boring and and uh, a snooze fest but I, i think it's important to kind of realize uh, where the Israelites are coming from and what Isaiah is drawing upon, uh, from their history. So let's dive into, uh, most of these chapters. We have 55 through 59. They're all kind of short chapters. Um, but I think that they're all very interesting. Uh, we only tackled chapter 56 in the last group and and I kind of regretted it. So I kind of want to do some more of them because I, I think they all, uh, play, on each other a lot more than what i was giving it credit for earlier um so let's see okay can you guys see isaiah on the screen okay yeah let's see how many verses is this so let's just like read a whole chapter per person kind of thing um so let's start off with with Nancy then we'll go my mom then Leslie um so yeah let's uh, if Nancy you'll read uh, all of chapter 55 here
1: okay attention all who thirst come for water you who have no money come and buy food that you may eat come buy wine and milk with no money and at no cost why do you spend money on what is not bread your labor on what does not satisfy hear me well Eat what is good, and your souls shall enjoy abundance. Give ear and come unto me. Pay heed that your souls may live, and I will take with you an everlasting covenant, my loving fidelity toward David. Turn the (laughs) page. See, I have appointed him as a witness to the nations, a prince and lawgiver of the peoples. You will summon a nation that you did not know. A nation that did not know you will hasten to you because of Jehovah your God, the Holy One of Israel, who gloriously endows you. Inquire of Jehovah while he is present. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and sinful men their thoughts. Let them return to Jehovah and he will have mercy on them to our God who graciously pardons. For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says Jehovah. But as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Um, Was there, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. (laughs) And as the rains and snows descend from the sky and return not to it without watering the earth to render it fertile and fruitful, providing seed for the sower and food for the eater, so is the word that leaves my mouth. It does not return to me empty. It accomplishes what I desire, achieves the purpose for which I sent it. You shall depart in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and hills shall sing at your presence and the trees of the meadows all clap their hands. In place of the thornbush shall come up the cypress, in place of nettles, the myrtle. This shall serve as a testimony of Jehovah an everlasting sign that shall not be done away.
0: All right. So I really love this imagery of the um, the rains. So I, I love it when um, common or commonly quoted verses pop out in Isaiah. And then uh, I'm able to, to go back and look at them and not like just proof text them, but actually see what context they're given in. Um, so this for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, your ways. I mean, how many times have we heard that in the gospel, right? We hear it repeated often, but what's the real context here and, and how does it pertain to our, our greater gospel understanding? I loved the imagery that it says in the next verse. So, um, just like rains and snows, uh, descend, but they don't return without watering the earth, uh, Those things are sent in order to fulfill a purpose, to be fertile, fruitful, etc. So it is that the word that leaves my mouth, it does not return to me empty. And so how does his words return to him? I mean, obviously they're not empty, but but how do the words even make it back to him? Once he pronounces them like rain, you know, living water motif, etc., how does his word return back to him I, I found that interesting i was pondering that for a few minutes today like what well, i was pondering it and then i got caught away into a powerful nap but <laughs> 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 um it, through, it's our just prayer, through our prayers uh-huh.
1: through our, uh-huh. prayer yeah. and
0: our actions yeah and so like in in the tabernacle of moses that's where kind of my my thought was before i went to sleep but um that the, the altar of, of incense inside the holy place, uh, that incense was the prayers of the people making it back up to heaven kind of thing. And I thought, oh man, that, that's so interesting that um, this, this rain motif that he's talking about here in Isaiah, I've never heard that being compared or anything like that, but um, that it doesn't return to him fruitless. Uh, it, it comes to actually uh, be fertile and fruitful, and that's the power that prayer has in our lives. If, if we do it in, in our personal lives, as well as true order of prayer, temple motif, um, that's when we can return his word and and reflect his light and, and all of that. Um, anyway, I found that very interesting in the context of My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, your ways, because I'm higher than you. I I, I know a little bit more. And so I'm going to give you some living water and you're going to, to have it be fruitful and then return it back to me. That's what our testimony is. That's what our prayers are supposed to be. And anyway, it just gave me so much more appreciation for that original verse that I've always proof texted. Uh, I, I found that very interesting <clears throat> yeah, you know, chapter- plants,
2: plants uh, they they uh, they exhaust lots of vapor you know we, we just we don't recognize that but you know in your in your refrigerator you have a, a vegetable drawer that's vented and you can open and close the vented depending on that depending on what kind of a fruit or a vegetable goes in it because even uh, even warehouses and, and places that are assigned to fresh produce, one of their biggest drawbacks is not only do they have to keep it cool, but they have to deal with the excessive moisture that comes off of fresh fruits. And then and that's a whole nother thing when, it, when you're dealing with refrigeration. But the whole idea is the, the rain goes into the earth and then it's sucked up by the plants. And then it, it is used by the plant to create the fruit and then it expresses the air, water into the air, and that returns back to the sky. So in the, in the process of that water returning to the Lord, it produces fruit. Now, us in the same aspect, he gives us the living water. We take it, we bring it into ourselves, and we use it to produce either good or bad fruit. And then that goodness, that living, if it's good fruit, then not only does it, our energy and our essence go back to the Father, but it also provides nourishment and sustenance for those people who are around us, and that's that's what I took on that particular aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So it, it's it's those prayers and the actions, right? That there's the fruit, and then the that water that eventually returns. I, I love that. I, I hadn't uh, taken that and put the fruit in there as well. Uh, I, I think that's that's huge. Um, anything else from that, uh, chapter that, that really stood out to you? Um, trying to think if there's anything else that, yeah, I think that was it that like really stood out to me there. Um, but that when we return to Zion, that we will depart in joy and be led back in peace, that, um, that, that's kind of the the motif the the wilderness will become a fertile place um, everything that uh, we've known to be thorns and nettles and uh, 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 they kind of their fallen nature will, will uh, return back much more than, than they are um, All right, so 56, this is a major one on the, the Sabbath day. So um, as we read this, uh, try to, <laughs> it's going to be lots of things to keep in mind, but um, the the covenant with life, what the Sabbath day has to do with the covenant of life, Lehi's dream, um, the Davidic covenant is going to be uh, popped up here. Anytime it's mentioning the covenant, and, um, uh, Anyway, there's a lot to think about, but anyway, uh, we'll just uh, dive into it and, and, and get there. Um, Mother, would you read this chapter for us?
3: Thus says Jehovah, observe justice and perform righteousness, for my salvation will soon come when my righteousness is revealed. Blessed is the man who does so, the person who holds fast to them, who keeps the Sabbath without profaning it, who stays his hand from doing any evil let not the foreigner who adheres to Jehovah say Jehovah will surely exclude me from his people and let not the eunuch say I am but a barren tree but thus say says Jehovah as for the eunuchs who keep my sabbath and choose to do what I will holding fast to my covenant To them I will give a handclasp and a name within the walls of my house. That is better than sons and daughters. I will endow them with an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who adhere to Jehovah to serve him, who love the name of Jehovah, that they may be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without profaning it, holding fast to my covenant, These I will bring to my holy mountain and gladden in my house of prayer. Their offerings and sacrifices shall be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be known as the house of prayer for all nations. Thus says my Lord Jehovah, who gathers up the outcasts of Israel. I will gather others to those already gathered all you wild beasts you animals of the forest come and devour their watchmen are altogether blind and unaware all of them are but dumb watchdogs unable to bark Lolling seers fond of slumber Glut- uh, gluttonous dogs and insatiable Such indeeds are insensible shepherds. They are all diverted to their own way. Everyone after his own advantage. Come, they say, let us get wine and have our fill of liquor. For tomorrow will be like today, only far better.
0: All right. So just those last verses there are are kind of... uh, Mm -hmm. ominous i I guess you could say like this is some some really powerful prophecy that's going on here um so it's talking about ephraim or the uh the the tile uh, covenant people in the end their watchmen are altogether blind and unaware and um and they're often compared to uh, those filled with with strong drink or liquor and they say for tomorrow will be like today only far better um anyway just looking at our our current uh covid situation etc um uh our general leaders are definitely not saying this are they Uh, for tomorrow will be like today only far better they
2: are are saying it but not to us (laughs) they are gluttonous dogs and insatiable just remember this when an enemy doesn't feel like there's anybody that can conquer them They're not looking and watching who's coming up around them. These these watchmen on the hill, they're blind and unaware. That's because they're not worried about whoever comes to the outside of the wall because they feel like they have the ability to crunch and squash anybody that comes near. And that's the way it is. There is no accountability. So therefore, they don't have to worry about it. And that's one of the things that we're running into right now is because they are having no problem uh, flaunting that they're yeah, it's against the law, but we're going to do it anyway. And, uh, or somebody says, I take full accountability for this, even though it's a horrific, terrible thing. And the only reason they have no problem saying that is because they really think that there is no one who can hold them accountable and that all is well. It's a, it's a token, it's a token uh, activity um, to make them look good in their own eyes and the eyes of their of their friends but they're uh, but but they're gluttonous dogs because they cannot have enough they're always after something greater and more
1: just to be clear he's talking about political leaders not the religious leaders right
0: now. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah well sorry about that <laughs> Oh, no, no. <laughs> you're totally good. Because, yeah, I was meeting ecclesiastical leaders and stuff, and then I seen where you're going with it. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Because that's
0: exactly what I think Isaiah is getting at here. You know, like, um, uh, you know, the eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow, we die, and stuff. Like, there's no consequences. You know, like, why hold to the rod if you could just go in the spacious building and point at everybody kind of thing? There's, there's no consequences, really. And so uh, tomorrow will be like today, only far better. Uh, all of their initiatives and, and plans for agendas whatever you want to call it like uh, that it's totally their their philosophy right i mean uh, they think own nothing
1: can... and be happy
0: yeah <laughs> exactly uh, we're just gonna lead it right into <laughs> the ground it, it's the craziest time aren't we living in some uh crazy years that have been prophesied about like man we're we're getting this uh firsthand <laughs> uh interesting perspective on on scripture um but yes and then um like our, our last conference ecclesiastic wise uh, switching gears there where um i think there was two or three right that said it it'll get worse before it gets better you know it might it might be a lot worse <laughs> but um as we are uh, it's uh, this section is all about disloyalty versus loyalty. There's going to be coming tests. And, you know, we've heard Hubert uh, C. Kimball's quote a lot, you know, a test, a test, a test is coming. Uh, there's going to be multiple tests. And what are they to do? What, what's the purpose of the tests? They're all about loyalty. Are you going to stay true to your testimony, true to God, true to what you know, or are you going to falter and uh, get sucked away in the midst of darkness and um over to the to the great and spacious um uh, very interesting there so well, and one of the
1: things one of the things about those tests right um the lord knows all things from the beginning you know he knows the end from the beginning so he will know how we will do on the test so the purpose of the test is not for the lord to find out how we're going to do it's for yeah. us to find out it's so that we will know that we are true, that we have been put to the test and we've passed because otherwise we may feel like we're not worthy. We haven't earned it. We haven't, um, how do you know that I would have stuck by you kind of thing, Mm -hmm. right? Because those who are truly humble will go, Lord, is it I, Mm -hmm. right? And so that test helps us to know that we would pass, and we would be okay. So then we don't doubt ourselves, and we don't think that he has unfairly judged us righteous, if that makes any sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to like lectures on faith, like the true reason, or uh, I forget, i paraphrasing it, but the true purpose of faith is to to know of a surety that we are um, living God's laws uh, and not just acting on some belief, but, but actual knowledge that, that the course of life that we're living is according to his will, getting assurances of that only comes through those tests uh, of loyalty kind of thing.
1: Where you can look back and you can say, okay, yes, the Lord did uphold me. The Lord did sustain me during this all right. He wouldn't have done that if I was off, off on the, you know, in the yeah. midst of darkness and go, okay, I'm on the right path. I'm good. All right. I can take that next step.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, um,
1: I have a uh, yeah. question.
4: Um, back to the uh, watchmen. So when Isaiah refers to them, does that mean we talked about two types of watchmen, does he, does he, I don't, I don't know, what does he mean by watchmen, is it both,
3: you know? Uh,
0: Yeah, I, a lot of times, Avraham's commentary is talking about ecclesiastical watchmen, uh, prophets who are supposed to be prophesying, but they're not uh, kind of a thing, but, um, uh, but in like this instance right here, um, these seem very counterintuitive to like what we're experiencing as our ecclesiastical leaders, like our watch dogs uh, are, are very much uh, uh, able to bark and, and to warn and um, uh, helping us navigate these last days versus, you know, like our, our political leaders are, are very much uh, following this kind of a pattern. So I, I think that that poses a, a very great Question, You know, what is Isaiah really getting at here? And um, here's my rough idea take on um, some of this. So like throughout the 1900s, right, that taking that whole century as, as a chunk, the our church kind of slipped into a little bit of a, a, a sleepy state of uh, warning the people. Uh, there was many prophets that were called to uh, kind of wake us up like Benson and, and Kimball, like, hey, guys, beware of pride, or hey, take the Book of Mormon seriously, like this is stuff for our day. And um, I've, I've talked about it with uh, well, a lot of my family and, and, and different people, but um, you know, we didn't have the emphasis on some important scriptures or uh Sabbath day observance or, or things like they didn't really teach in primary some of those key principles early on. And so I, I think that some of this can apply ecclesiastically to to moments in the restoration. But I definitely don't see it in in today's church to to the full extent that that Isaiah is prophesying here. So I think that it has multiple levels and layers to it, but that kind of gets tricky because uh, some people take this and say, oh, no, like the church is going to fall at some point and uh, we have to be able to to navigate that and everything. I don't know that that seems like some pretty tricky ground to <laughs> to tread. So um, I'm not going to profess to know everything that Isaiah is talking about here, but um, to to take the different principles um, like Sabbath day that's in this chapter, etc., and uh, as long as we are connected with heaven, being able to hear him and receive our own answers to what this is talking about, I think is going to be crucial for our day because Isaiah is getting unlocked right now by, by multiple scholars and, and things to the literary patterns. And um, anyway, I, I, that's a great question. It's the same one that I have. And, and that's what I'm really going through Isaiah reading and um, learning what is these, uh, uh, what is to be understood from the the watchdogs that are unable to bark or the the prophets that are drunk with wine kind of a thing. Um, I I think what what Scott was saying hits it directly on the head with our political leaders. We can definitely see uh, the... uh, connections there because uh, they're they're living this to the letter right they are in a covenant with death 100%
1: so in Avraham's commentary on this he mm-hmm. says instead of portraying these watchmen as ones who feed and protect the flock the imagery of shepherds as dogs characterizes them as predators and unclean animals Instead of warning of trouble as Jehovah's day of judgment approaches, they resemble wanton herdsmen who scatter the sheep and feed themselves off the fattest. Instead of serving as proxy saviors to Jehovah's people under the terms of the Davidic covenant, they look out for themselves. So the Davidic covenant had who being there? It was the king, right? had the king taking responsibility for their people. So instead of serving as the proxy saviors, as the king or the leaders of the people, they're looking out for themselves. And that may give us a clue as we read this, that that really is our, our country's leaders, right? Mm-hmm. We have watchmen for, um, you know, because this is talking about all of, all of Ephraim, right? That yeah, all the Gentiles. Adjustable. Right. So this would be the all the Gentiles. That could be the whole country and the world, if you look at the whole world, right? Not yeah. just the church who are the people of of Israel. Right. So like these these watchmen who are supposed to be taking care of the people in the countries they're in, are instead um they're spending money left and right, they're enriching themselves, you know, they come into office barely being able to get elected and fairly poor, and they leave and they're millionaires. How does this happen? What is going on? They're scattering the sheep and feeding themselves off the fattest, that's what they're doing, you know, and they're not serving under the terms of the Davidic covenant. They're just out for themselves, like Congress makes laws that don't apply to them, but apply to all the rest of us. You know, and I, I think when we look at it in this way, that that really is, that's who, that's who we need to be on lookout for is those watchmen. And they are truly living up to this warning. But I think too many people, if they don't have the perspective, if they don't approach this um, through the spirit the right way, they will assume that the watchmen are the brethren and that Mm -hmm. this is what the brethren are going to do, and this isn't what the brethren have been doing, but there are all sorts of people who justify leaving the church because the brethren have fallen. Just look at Isaiah.
0: Yeah, yeah, we see that a lot. I I see Isaiah getting proof texted so much right now saying, Mm -hmm. no, our brethren right now are apostate, and they're leaving because, oh, well, Isaiah said it, and so it, this is it. This is the, the moment to jump ship. And I'm like, no, guys. <laughs> Slow down.
2: I think that Watchmen also being blind or a lot of our leadership ecclesiastically who think they understand Isaiah and the scriptures and the gospel enough. So they're doing their job uh, at warning the people, but they're not going to do anything over and above what's normal or traditional because they don't want to cause a panic they don't want to they don't want you to go out and spend a whole bunch of money on buying food food stuffs or or buying water barrels or 72 hour kits etc uh but you know we're we're good we're safe so i think a lot of them are being blind and the reason they're not saying anything is because they don't see a matter of urgency Mm -hmm. and that's that's
1: better more local that's the more local ones, right? Because you can see the yeah. some local leaders are, are seeing this and there are others who are totally asleep and they're like, oh, things are going to get back to normal. We just have to get through this and then tomorrow is going to be better than today. So we do have some of those local ecclesiastical leaders who are saying those kinds of things as well. <laughs> So yeah. there's your other layer. But I don't think it's the
0: brethren. I don't think it's the 15 yeah. at the point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I What kept coming to mind as we are uh, talking about that, it keeps coming back the Timothy Ballard books, uh, Washington hypothesis, Lincoln hypothesis, and a lot of the stuff that's pointed out in there about Washington, like George Washington like enacted Davidic covenants on behalf of his, his soldiers and his people uh, he entered in as a nation, he helped America enter into a formal covenant with the Lord. I mean, it was a whole ceremony. Uh, if you look at the, the paintings of it, he was dressed up in very similar clothing. Like there's so much to our forefathers, Abraham Lincoln, many of our watch dogs, watch tower people, shepherds, uh, politically, uh, have gotten that they, they understand the covenant with God but then there's so many that, that haven't, you know, especially recently. I mean, we just have secret combinations and packs that are rampant. And so I, I, I've really loved this discussion and like, oh, gotcha. Like how some people are, are just applying it, uh, me included, like I was doing that, uh, applying it to just the church, just the covenant people. But you know, Ephraim is 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 the Gentile nation, right? I mean, we're we're talking in generalities sometimes. Sometimes we're honing in on specifically the church. But in this specific chapter, I, I think that that's a, a great um, way to to look at it um, and and applying it to our leaders because it, it's so much our political leaders right now. Love that. One. Thank you. Um, let's see. So. I think that, um, the main point for me in, uh, chapter 56 was this, um, the likening of the Sabbath day, keeping, uh, being brought up a lot and the, uh, holding fast to my covenant, uh, uh like in the commentary, it talks about Davidic covenant. This is a specific one. Um, but what do you think, well, let's just talk Sabbath day for, for a little bit. So how is the Sabbath day a test of loyalty? How have we seen it in the church? How has it changed over time? Uh, Personally, in our group A, we spend a lot of time on on this, where how has the Sabbath day really changed for you throughout your life as you've known more and been able to to actually make it become a delight? Uh, What kind of sign you're giving to the Lord kind of thing. But anyway, just, just in general, what, what are your thoughts on the Sabbath day and how it plays into a test of loyalty, um, to the Lord? Any, any thoughts? Brainstorms?
4: Um, I'm a convert of several years now. Um, and that was all new to me. And I tried my best, and it was a checklisty sort of thing. But as um, you know, as I matured in the gospel, I, um, I discovered it was it's it's a it, when you love someone and you want to be with them, and it was a way for me to be with God and be with Christ, and it grew. It ended up growing to the point where, and and I didn't understand this at the time, but it was consecrating that day um, made me want to consecrate Monday through Saturday to him and have all of my days be holy, not necessarily in the same way, but be all my days be for him. And that's made all the difference in my life for me. Yeah,
0: thank you yeah, when, when I was little, it's all about like, oh, it's so restrictive, like all these things that I can't do on Sunday. Uh, you know, I, I've always grown up loving the Lord kind of thing, but like, I never understood why, why have, it's supposed to be the special day and yet it's so restrictive kind of thing. And, and evolving through that process throughout my life, especially on the mission, you know, just getting a, a whole 180 on, on what that looks like outside of my little bubble. And, um, being able to actually have it be a delight. Um, You know, it's not a a day of rest as far as just sleeping and rip van winkling it, but actually doing his holy work, you know, like it's a rest, but it's, it's, you have to just put aside your whole wants and desires and whatever the the Lord wants. But I I love what, what you said, Leslie, that uh, through that then it makes you want to expand that out and and cover the other days in uh higher and holier ways maybe it's you know not the same because the sabbath needs to be uh fully there and for those two years as a missionary it's like oh no i, I get to experience that on every day except for p day uh-huh. because that's obviously not a holy day <laughs> but um being able to to just be in his holy work 24 7 uh I, I, like that principle, especially as we're moving towards the second coming, how that's more and more crucial as we, um, seek, uh, ways to, to live the consecration fully in our lives. I love that. When
1: we, when we truly love the Lord, we really do want to learn more about him. And like she said, we want to be with him. We want to spend that time. We want to be connected. and There are a lot of things that can break that connection, be it watching movies or sports or, you know, things that, that take us away from thinking about the Lord can break that connection. And a lot of times that happens, you know, we go to work during the week and things and, and, and that connection is harder to, to maintain Monday through Saturday, right? It's not impossible, but it's harder but on Sundays, we take and we set aside all those things that might interfere, that might cause inter- interference in our transmission, you know, and, um, and and do what we can to do that. Now, I will be the first to tell you when the kids were little, we would come home and it was like, okay, it's quiet time for a couple of hours. Everybody can take a nap, mom's tired, <laughs> right? And, and um, you know, I wouldn't let kids go to birthday parties or do whatever, you know, because it's the Sabbath. We have to, you know, we can't do this or do that. I totally missed it for years and years and years. But um, we get together as a family on the Sabbath and build those relationships and build those connections. Um, it, when when we have a fast day like today if we are truly fasting and it's strengthening that connection between us and heaven then that even makes it stronger um of course if all we're doing is starving ourselves for a couple of meals that doesn't help you know (laughs) but it's all about our intent right Our, our intent and our thought process and why, why do we, why do we want to keep it holy? Well, because we want to be closer to the Lord. We want to be closer to Christ. Um, and so we seek out activities that will bring us closer to him. And that keeps the Sabbath day holy. Now, sometimes those activities are serving somebody else and they might actually involve work,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, right. That's so a um,
2: spiritual focus
1: but it's a spiritual focus yeah why is it
2: that you're doing that i mean even the lord when he created the earth and everything else everything he was doing up until the seventh day was all a temporal focus on creation etc but then even the father and the son realized that on the seventh day they need to have a turn a change of focus so they're not working on the temporal ideas but but polishing up the the spiritual one. And spiritual activities can mean work if we're pulling our neighbor's ox out of the mire or helping him get it out. But the whole idea is that in that particular focus, we do draw closer to him. And and we also uh, learn that there has to be a specific balance in that. Now, there are many people who can who come across on the seventh day and they do take a nap and they never move their focus to a spiritual and, in, in increment. So therefore it's like fasting without having a purpose. You just end up hungry. So maybe you, you get a good nap, but you haven't been spiritually fortified. So it takes practice to be able to do that. And then once you understand the purpose behind that, then that's when the Sabbath day really becomes a delight. And and, and and like missionaries, they spent uh, six and a half days a week uh, in in the spiritual focus. So when that P day did come around, you were you were rushing to try to get all your temporal things done. And, and so anyway, I, I think it has a lot to do with our ability to follow the directions and to understand what the Father and the Son have for us. And that there is an eternal, not just a a, a mortal, but an eternal purpose here that we are getting uh, used to. This is the dry run before the big event. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's interesting that um, this test, I I think a a huge part of the test is is COVID and and everything that it did to to disrupt our, our Sabbath uh, <laughs> rigmarole that uh, we kind of got used to, kind of thing. Um, but how we were prepared for that test way in advance. So, back in 2015, um, with President Nelson's uh, talk, the Sabbath of Delight, with the Sabbath Day Initiative that the, the whole brethren did, they all gave talks on it and uh, pushed that out to all the ward councils. You know, that sometimes didn't get to the end of the row, but um, they, they really focused on that Sabbath observance there. And then um, when President Nelson actually becomes uh, the prophet uh, of the church and, um, and, and goes through all of the, the different changes to prepare us for, for home-based study, et cetera. And then the test comes and they kind of gave some checkpoints in uh, preceding conferences, but they're like, okay, did this make you stronger? Did it uh, like, see where you're at. Uh, you know, here, here's a pop quiz. Uh, did the test go well? There's still time to, you know, take the quiz again and uh, prove your loyalty. But uh, are we going to falter and uh, just half-heartedly try to go to church? And if we don't make it, we can still catch Zoom or, or, or you know, like, where is your focus? Are you going to still make it a delight and uh, have it spiritually um, motivated and focused out of love and respect for for God, kind of going back to the, the previous chapter of Isaiah, are you going to let it be the day that that your living waters can can be sent back up to Him, um, and and be that fruitful uh, day of uh, returning and reporting kind of principle? Uh, we the Lord loves us and he's not just going to give us tests that are out of nowhere and and everything, but he has prepared us so uh, thoroughly and, uh, and thoughtfully for the the test of the Sabbath day. Uh, I don't think we're done because I think that there's a lot more that's going to, to hinder our Sabbath observance, but um, like it's, it's talking about here, there's disloyalty and loyalty. One way to, interact with it is we can make a covenant with death, or we can make a covenant with life. And uh, if we make that covenant of life, we have the motif from Israelite history of the covenant blessings being sent up from, from Mount Gerizim, or we can have the covenant curses being sent up from Mount Ebal. And so it, it it's all a matter of choice at, at this point. Our, which do you choose? Is it Joshua? It says that choose you the estate whom you will serve yeah mm-hmm. but as for me and my house we're, we're going to keep the Sabbath day we're going to keep a holy and and we're going to be firm in in that test of, of loyalty uh I think that's so crucial to, to what Isaiah is is helping us to prepare for that um you know there's there's multiple tests but uh this one in, in chapter 56 is the the test of the Sabbath day I think we'll be tested on so many things in in the coming days but um uh, giving us uh, a clear shot of what the purpose of this test is and, and how we might uh, use it to to bless the lives of others um, through that, that Davidic covenant. Anyway, <laughs> I, I go on my little rants and, and speeches, sorry. <laughs> but um, any other thoughts, comments, and, and things from this chapter or generalized, uh, whatever, uh, before we end for the night? We got
2: farther than the other class did. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. we got two
0: <laughs> it's crazy. I never know what to prepare and plan. Like after Group A, like in between Group A and Group B, I always uh, FaceTime my mom and I'm like, okay, what can we do better? What's different and stuff. So uh, anyway, but it didn't go like I thought. Even still, it's always different. I I never know what You're, the you Lord. Know, you is really think about it. For the
2: Lord never gives us pop quizzes. I mean, like you were mm-hmm. saying right there with, with President or Elder Nelson at the time, he gives us more than five years head start on noticing things. You know, he says, it's kind of like having a teacher that stands up in front of the classroom and says, look, she's straightening eyes. and says, now this is something important that you should know. And it may show up on a test sometime.
0: <laughs> yep. You're going to need you to know, know this.
1: He's given us the answers to the test so we can pass, but Mm -hmm. if we don't pay attention um, and we don't do what's been asked, then we may not do as well on the test, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I I see that, um, you know, yes, we had a test when it came to the Sabbath day, Right, I think we had a test even before COVID about that, and then mm-hmm. the Lord gave, um, the Lord gave us instructions of, hey, you need to teach your kids at home, right? Come follow me. We had that for a couple of years. How many people <laughs> really did it? How many people? I taught primary, and I can tell you, these kids <laughs> you can see exactly come you to did. class. And they hadn't, they had no idea. I mean, I would have loved to have had a discussion about, tell me what you did this week and come follow me. Let's talk about it. And, huh, oh, we don't really do that. And, and I was very surprised by the families whose children said, we don't really do that. And so, so then we got the test of COVID where you had to do it at home. Mm-hmm. And even when that happened, there were families who said, well, since we don't have to be a church, you know, we're going up into the mountains and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to do all these other things instead, since we don't have to be a church. Right. And then, you know, things went on to zoom and okay, now we're tied to home for zoom for an hour, but then we're still going up in the mountains and we're still going to do the, you know, Mm -hmm. We can zoom it from the mountains if you have a signal. <laughs> um But the, it's been interesting to see how many people haven't come back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's
1: been sad. Um, and the people who haven't come back, but are still zooming at home because of fear and anxiety. And, um, It was really good when I saw all the little old ladies from our ward come back. And, um, you know, my mom being the old lady of the ward, she'll be 93 in December. You know, there's like four of them. They all sit together on the third row, you know, up near the front so they can hear. And, you know, the the golden girls, the little old lady row, you know, the four (laughs) girls. As somebody called them today during um, their testimony, but um, it's good to see them. But there are so many more who could, who would be in that group, who are still so afraid to come back, and and that's been sad. But that's all part of that test, right? Yeah. Do you come back? You know, and then you have things like the first presidency letter that came out right because you have a whole bunch of members who thought okay I'm doing really good you know I have no problem with the church's stance on lgbtq things and I have no tr- problem with the church's stance on this and you know I feel like I'm I'm pretty much you know I'm good with all of these things and then you come out with this letter you're like okay so where do you fall on this and it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter where you fall on it what matters is how you react to it do you react to it by treating other people unkindly or do you react and and, and speaking bad about the brethren or do you re- react to it by going to the Lord and saying okay Lord is there something different you want me to do listen to the answer do what the Lord tells you but treat everyone else with respect and dignity and um, give them the choices that you would want to have right. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I think that is the test, that is the test. It's not, do we get a shot or not? Do we wear a mask or not? It's how do we treat each other? It's all relationships. And it really is all about love, you yeah. know? Loving the exactly. Lord and loving everyone else. Amen.
0: Exactly.
4: Um, can I ask for your prayers on behalf of my brother-in-law? My younger sister, um, her husband, was just stated today that he's been fighting COVID for a little bit in the hospital. His name is Mark Maxfield. And um, he, I don't know if the respirator death rate is really as high as they say. Um, my sister was told it's 70%. And um, so he was afraid to go on it. But mm-hmm. doctors said um, you we have we've done all we can. You will not live if you at, with the measures we're taking now. So um, so he went on it today, and so he'll be fully sedated for two weeks, and then so we'll see. I
2: don't you know. know. I I was watching a doctor give a report on that, and he said they kept losing patients on intubators and then they found out if they cut the the amount of air in half that is uh, established for their specific weight or whatever they do they found out that they actually got better it's just Correct. because the, the 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 prescribed amount of oxygen that they were using somehow was too much but they had had one one uh, apparatus that was incorrectly set because they They had looked at a wrong chart and they had put the wrong weight in. So then they found that person was getting better. So I don't know. And he says, this is something that a lot of hospitals and things don't realize that they're over oxygenating them or something. And it's causing inflammation and other things. So I remember seeing that doctor and he said, we started doing that on a regular basis where they, they cut the amount by half. And then they started having positive results. So. You know we can pray for stuff like that
4: sure hopefully that doctor will i'll pass that along to my sister she just had um major back surgery so uh, about a week ago so she not that they would let her in the hospital anyway but um but she can't talk to the doctors or or anything like that so you know or i don't know if we're back to where, but it's not good in any case right. so
0: yeah and you said his name was matt maxfield you said
1: mark mark maxfield
0: yeah okay
1: thank you one thing to remember leslie is our days are numbered by the lord
4: are they are indeed yes and
1: if if it is our time to go we will go one way or another it might be through covid it might be through something else but if it's not our time to go then um you know, as long as we are not facilitating that ourselves, (laughs) right, right, Um, then the Lord will take care of us. Now, if, if the doctors mistreat, that's my
4: concern,
1: is, you know, not intentionally, but, you know, right, I understand, but if the doctors use the wrong treatment, and there is, there is a big push in the hospital's i i I would probably if it was me to everything i could to stay out um yeah but um if if his days are cut short through the actions of someone else just know that the lord will make it up to him yeah Yeah. and to his family and to everybody else he's affected and the lord will make the whole experience be for the good of everyone even if it is difficult
4: yeah Um, i agree i lost my husband unexpectedly and we still don't know why he passed away but four years Mm -hmm. ago it's been a uh you get to sit back and kind of watch because of the the numbness but not anymore but it's just to watch the lord working is it's astonishing so i uh it's just a he it's needed your
2: time. husband's talents on that side of the veil. What? He needed your husband's talents on that he side did. of the veil.
4: He he did very much. It's funny. My my husband has had a lot of contact with me for the first four years. That's been four years and a few months. And um, he said, "Anyone you love, I have all the time in the world for." And so he's been ministering to a lot of people that I know, including our. Um, bishop who has been in only for a year and he said I cannot tell you how many times your your husband is a ministering angel for me and is doing is helping me in ways I I cannot do for myself. So we just don't know what is on the other side. And um
1: we we actually were just talking about this today. You know if someone if someone gets sick and dies right mm-hmm. um, the Lord will take that situation and he will use it to bring somebody else to Christ right mm-hmm. sometimes it's just somebody getting sick sometimes it's just an illness right um, but the Lord will take it and and use it in many ways to help wake up people or 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 something along those lines to encourage people to return to him. Sure. And those people who who go through debilitating, debilitating illnesses or um, difficulties or who are forever um, handicapped because of something that happened to them that then can influence those people or those people who die and then influence those people, other people to change. Sure. They truly are then saviors on Mount Zion because Mm -hmm. they have sacrificed their health, their abilities, maybe even their life that then in turn brings someone else to the Lord. And, you know, it's hard for those people who are left behind. But um, President Nelson had it right when he was talking about his um, granddaughter-in-law, when he said myopic. Because the Lord is not really, com- he's not that concerned with our physical bodies because they're all going to die anyway. He's concerned about our eternal soul okay. and, and, and where we're going to end up eternally. And if we have to go through something tough physically so that we will end up in the right place eternally, it's going to happen. We're, it's, you know, he's going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so- you know, and if we have to go through that, so somebody else can end up in the right place eternally. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because that's what he wants.
4: I agree. Um, my husband was for the first 20 year 20 years of our marriage, a, uh, highly addicted to sex and he had, it took a long time for him to, um, even after he got help and everything, it was still like five more years. So like the last 15 years of our marriage was really good, but that is what my Bishop said. He said, he is helping me with all of these and other issues also, but all of these issues related to these difficulties that not just young men are having It's it's all across the board now. And I thought, who, I, I never would have imagined that this would be part of his post post-mortal calling to do things such as this, that he's got so much um, experience with and not testimony. And yep. So I was like, well, look at you go. So <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's kind of fun. And so I would never wish him back because I know he's doing more good now than he actually could have done while he was alive for
1: so well Uh i'll put your brother-in-law's name on the temple prayer roll
4: thank you our temple is closed down here so i'm i'm grateful
1: what's your temple
4: ogden utah okay Okay.
1: we're at mount Timpanogos.
4: okay thank you thank you thank you
0: for sure All right, well, it's been fun. We only have two more weeks left. Uh, We'll be heading into Disinheritance and Inheritance for the last two weeks. Um, uh, Just kept scheduling issues, conflicts with with Avraham, but eventually we will have a a Zoom with him. Um, And then after conference, we'll be headed into Triumph of Zion. Uh, So if you don't have your books, get those ordered and audio, whatever. But anyway, looking forward to that one. Uh, unfortunately we probably won't have an author chat with with that but uh, <laughs> we'll try we'll still try
4: <laughs> my husband might be able to arrange that you never know yeah, yeah.
0: can you talk to him and be like hey <laughs>
1: so leslie our temple is closed until september 6th for their maintenance down so when i put it in it says it will send it'll send it to an, another nearby temple so just ah. name it there Okay, thank you. You should be able to do the same thing through your app.
4: Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that they would do that. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. So if mm-hmm. your temple's closed, it'll send it to just a nearby temple. And that way, it's not just sitting there for however long. Okay. Our temple actually opens back up on Tuesday. But, okay. Um, so I don't know okay. if it'll go to temp or if it'll go somewhere else. But
0: yeah thank you thank you yeah our temple's just going to be closing down there this is our last week to to go before it closes down and i'm like oh it might be the last week for for a while who knows but they're, they're going for a full two months was it mom i think full two months i think rumor has it is that they're putting in a new endowment room because we only have one and so doing mm-hmm. renovations to, to do a new endowment room we'll see which be is your but. twin falls okay yeah it's interesting too because we're going to be getting the Burley temple eventually and so the twin falls like why put in an extra endowment room but they they obviously see into the future and know that there's a need for it so if that's that rumor is true but (laughs) we'll we'll find out anyway um i don't even know why i Said that. Anyway, (laughs) it's been fun. We will see everyone next week for a a good chat. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone.
2: Bye. Bye bye.